0: Hey, remember that time I said you would be played by Dom DeLuise if your life became a TV movie? Is that actually who you would cast?
1: Oh, yeah, spot on. My idea of heaven is eating a bowl of pasta with Dom DeLuise.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Talk about the Olive Garden of Eden.
1: (laughs) 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 I remember I said you'd be played by the dad from The Wonder Years. Is that still right?
0: Ooh, I do love his grunt. Uh, (laughs) You know, I do love that, but I think in honor of my mom, I would actually cast Stone Phillips venerable newsroom heartthrob from Dateline NBC in the 1990s. He, for some reason, had this way of piercing the hearts of every suburban mom in America.
1: Ooh, well, that's a bold choice going with a non-actor to play you. I would expect Wilson Phillips.
0: <laughs> hold on, <laughs> hold on. <Let> me... <laughs> but see, that's the best thing about the campy world of TV movies. Sometimes they're platforms for surprising people to flex their acting chops.
1: Well, TV movies, they ain't just for actors anymore.
0: Are you ready to find out about some surprising folks who starred in major network TV movies? Oh, absolutely, Stone Phillips. (laughs) (laughs) Let's begin. You know, fun fact about Stone Phillips, he was Yale University's starting quarterback when he played for them in the
1: 1970s. All right, we'll save that for the episode where we talk about surprising actors who are quarterbacks. And you know, <laughs> I would actually have um, some information about Jim McMahon for that podcast. <laughs> One chapter's worth of information. <laughs> well, today we're giving you a pop trash podcast episode all about surprising actors in TV movies. I'm your host, Eric Griggs. And I'm Mike Jones. Each episode, we take a pop topic and trash talk it, but with love, of course.
0: And you know, when it comes to TV movies, as one of our stars today once shared... Our love is for real. Oh, I'm
1: knocked out by that deep cut. (laughs) I was surprised you didn't go with it's just the way that we
0: love TV movies. Ooh, straight up. That would have been (laughs) a good one.
1: (laughs) How many Paula Abdul puns can we make?
0: Well, she's forever our girl when it comes to TV movies. Come on. (laughs) But, you know, I'm glad we're doing today's episode because I think there are like two defining traits of TV movies, especially from like the 70s through the 90s. To me, one of them is that they were sometimes considered television events. And, you know, one way to make them an event was to cast a surprising person. And then a second is because there were so many of them. They were so prolific that there's just a bottomless ocean full of famous people who actually ended up acting in them, even if they weren't traditional actors. These TV movies felt like
1: they were like a low stakes way to put somebody unexpected in there and then like get people to watch that. You get to find out, hmm, what would it be like? What if in an alternate reality, if the singer that you really love would act in a movie? And a lot of times, you know why they're a singer. (laughs) (laughs) It is interesting, you know, when they say, "Oh, they're a triple threat." You know, they can act, dance, and sing. I feel like more and more, that's not the case. There are there are a few. You know, you have to really be talented. We can't all be Cheryl. Lad, I'm exactly exactly, <laughs>
0: <laughs> pretty much. No, I hear that. I think that's right, and and that's okay. But I love when people get a little courageous and try to like see if they can fit into one of the other lanes.
1: I think it's even more enjoyable when, when they succeed. Of course, there's, there's plenty of times where it's like, Oh, they tried to make the jump and didn't make it. But a recent one, Pam Anderson starring in the Broadway uh, version of Chicago playing Roxy Hart to Really great reviews, and I love that. Like, because nobody thought, "Oh, she's a great actress," or "Hey, she could step on the stage and sing." And little did we know, she knocked it out of the park. And and that's kind of fun too when you find those diamonds in the rough that you weren't expecting.
0: Oh, totally. That's one of the best things about the musical Chicago, by the way, is that it's still on Broadway. And I think in order to kind of keep butts coming into seats, they do a lot of stunt casting. There you go. It's like one of those things where stunt casting can actually like rejuvenate audiences. And I love that. T- TV movies were in on this game too. Well, today we're going to talk about three movies that star kind of surprising actors. And I will say, none of these three knocked my socks off (laughs) but that's okay because we still love the celebrities at the heart of them (laughs) we may not have Stone Phillips on today's episode but we do have Vanna White chiseled in stone because the first movie we're talking about is Goddess of Love her world is a world of passion no man can resist her she comes from another time and place She's Vanna White, and someday she's the goddess of love. (laughs) (laughs) Eric. Can you describe what Goddess of Love is even remotely about?
1: Yeah, I, I have to say, it's like we keep watching different permutations of Mannequin, really. <laughs> and uh, her acting wasn't really good. <laughs> so for for the plot, um, she is playing Venus, the Goddess of Love, or Aphrodite um, in the Greek mythology. And it starts with... The, her father, Zeus, who is played by John Rees Davies, and her mother, Hera, who is played by the Friday the 13th mom, <laughs> and they send her to Earth, but they encase her in marble, and she has to somehow find love as a statue and then if she finds real love without really screwing the whole situation up like she seems to always do then she can live again and live forever but if she doesn't she will remain in stone forever it doesn't quite make sense it's very strange
0: (laughs) right nope we're about to go bankrupt
1: (laughs) (laughs) i was like how is she ever going to find love as a statue but apparently this guy is a lark puts a ring on the statue's finger she comes to life and she's supposed to be
0: betrothed to him and hijinks ensue i think you did a great job summarizing this because it's not an easy one <laughs> <laughs> White falls in love with this guy who's engaged to another woman and that other woman the fiance is played by Amanda Bierce, who's Marcy Darcy from Married with Children. And I love seeing her. This is probably the role she did right before Married with Children started, but it's fun watching her. And she kind of does get a little scenery chomping in, and I think it might just be because she is maybe in on the joke, maybe is like, a you know, just good at sort of like sitcom like acting, and this is a comedy TV movie, so I think she was able to kind of like do that part particularly well. She was the best part of this movie to me. Um, I mean, it's fun watching Vanna try to do this, but you realize pretty quickly that this is not going to be, a you know, the road to acting success for Vanna White. Definitely a, a stunt cast of the year, I think, because Vanna was quite famous already. This was sort of at the, it was the early days of her Wheel of Fortune tenure, but she was such a, a pop culture fascination, I guess you would say, mm-hmm. in the yeah. late 80s. And so I think this was sort of something that people really wanted to like tune into to see if she could pull off this performance or pull off acting. And I will say she looks really good. She
1: looks amazing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh She has like phenomenal hair in this. She's the way they light her. Like it, she's good. She looks great. It is the choppy lines though. And the Greek speak, I guess, or the mythology speak that they make her say,
1: I think they kind of knew that her acting might not be at the level it needed to be. But they were like, hey, if we give her this role of Aphrodite or Venus, she can. we can hide it behind the kind of clipped delivery of that Greek goddess speak. For me, a lot of the fun of going back and watching these old TV movies or old movies is that You know, scrolling through the IMDB. Who is that? Oh my gosh, this person shows up. Like you find the fun where you can, where it has its deficiencies on like plot or acting. You get something like, oh, let's throw in little Richard, which he's terribly underused here. I I just can't believe how much they wasted him
0: it could have landed much more in a in a camp cheesy sort of cult classic way than it than it has which is more just sort of like a, a legacy TV movie that was like a cute effort to try and build Vanna's acting career
1: yeah and it falls into that category of like the fish out of water where you know all the jokes are about oh how strange these modern things are but all of the jokes were stale they're like oh the radio oh what is that you know it's like y- you can do that type of a joke and make it really fresh and funny and different and campy like you're saying but it was just kind of like a bit of a retread so middle of the road
0: there are some decent lines though i really enjoy when vanna white's venus goes i'm not here for your cold roast chicken i'm here for your love I love a celebrity recipe. Vanna White, she has a really delicious recipe for banana for banana, banana pudding.
1: Oh, banana pudding. Mm. It should be called that. I will enjoy <laughs> eating that. It sounds heavenly. <laughs> I'm curious, do, do we know where this fell in her career in relationship to when she posed for Playboy?
0: This would have been after it because she appeared in Playboy in 1987, which was also the same year she released her book, Vanna Speaks, Mm. uh, which was a big bestseller. Um, But yeah, the Playboy pictures, I think, appeared in 1987. And this was 1988. So a year, year and a half after it.
1: Okay, so you're right. She's kind of really in the zeitgeist. And this is probably taking advantage of that intense public interest about her and her image.
0: Totally, totally. Well, before we wrap up this, I always love to talk about, you know, the night these things aired, and this was a November sweeps, you know, TV movie on NBC. So it aired on November 20th, 1988, week before Thanksgiving. How do you think it did? Do you think it did well? I bet some people tuned in based on curiosity, but
1: I can't imagine this, this knocked it out of the park.
0: Believe it or not, if you're ready for it. Knocked it out of the park. Did it? Wow. Hallelujah. (laughs) (laughs) The third most watched program. It did not beat 60 Minutes. It did not beat Murder, She Wrote.
1: I wouldn't expect that.
0: Yes, but it did beat everything else on television that night, including uh, on an opposite network on CBS. There was another TV movie called The Diamond Trap starring Howard Hessman and Brooke Shields as an art gallery owner who pairs with a detective to solve a jewel heist.
1: Now I wanna see that. Oh, (laughs) why are we not reviewing that?
0: Well, speaking of Vanna, one last thing before we turn the letter of this segment. Do you know what world record she holds? I don't know. She is the Guinness World Record holder for most frequent clapper. <laughs> no, I'm not making it up. In January of 2013, they said that she had clapped at least 3,480,864 times across the show's three-decade tenure. So how about that? Vanna White has clapped more than any other person on this planet.
1: Now we move on to 1990's How to Murder a Millionaire. Mike, what did you think?
0: Well, I was looking for the step-by-step instructions for how to murder a millionaire. But this TV movie starring Joan Rivers uh, and Morgan Fairchild, Joan Rivers becomes convinced that her husband wants to kill her uh, when he doesn't really. And uh, shenanigans ensue as she basically tries to escape this sort of pretend stalking and murdering.
1: For what it was, I liked it. And I loved seeing Joan Rivers again.
0: It was fun to see Joan Rivers acting because so much of what we know about Joan Rivers is the stand up, the Hollywood Squares, the Fashion Police, mm-hmm. and this is not that. She is actually playing a zany housewife, more or less, mm-hmm. obsessed with getting home in time to be able to watch a daytime talk show, <laughs> and, um, and so it's interesting to see her kind of like fit into because this was this aired in 1990, you said after her talk show, her big late night talk show fizzled. And so it's kind of fun to see her get into a world of acting. The husband's played by Alex Rocco. And yeah, basically, Joan Rivers thinks he is trying to kill her and some zany stuff happens. Like, he draws her a bubble bath that magically starts to like turn into an electrocution pond and before Joan can climb in it. And she's like, oh, thank God I didn't do that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I kind of love the beginning of it where she, you know, her brakes go out and she drives right through the garage door and the mystery
0: of who's trying to kill her. I just wish the the laugh factor was amped up more because Joan is a much better comedian than this movie would make you think if this is the first time you're watching her.
1: That's true. That's a good point. If you know nothing about Joan Rivers and you watched this first, you would probably be like, hmm, what's the big deal? It doesn't really go for the jugular in places. It doesn't amp up the jokes like you said. Um, They're there, but they're just not far enough, big enough, there were moments where you could see like this movie could have been gold with just a little more polish. I don't know what the reason was that that just didn't gel together because it's an amazing cast. It's a fun concept. Some of those folks who pop up like Alex Rocco, Thelma Hopkins, Morgan Fairchild, Meshach Taylor, those folks who just are like the workhorses of, 80s TV are just showing up and delivering.
0: Loved it. I do wish, I do wish they had given Morgan Fairchild a bit more to do mm-hmm. in this because I really like Morgan Fairchild and it's fun to watch her. I mean, she looks great in this. Mm-hmm. Morgan is amazing. And I wish everybody just
1: approached life the way that Morgan Fairchild does with full commitment to whatever the material is, and just shows up and delivers, looking gorgeous, being amazing having fun. That is the outlook on life I wish I had every day. Again, like Little Richard in the last movie we talked about, a little underused. She has a little bit more here to do. And it feels like they were billing her as the supporting actress when it was really Telma Hopkins.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. You really are right that like Telma Hopkins, who folks would know from Amen, uh, Family Matters, Give Me a Break, really kind of is the the more equal star, or at least as far as screen time goes with Joan Rivers. Can we talk? This one, as well as Goddess of Love with Vanna White, are blessedly on Tubi, so you can watch them in high quality. So this aired on May 23rd, 1990, also a a sweeps period. How do you think this fared on the night that it aired? I think it probably did really well. You are wrong. (laughs) (laughs) You are wrong. Uh, You were wrong about Vanna Whites. You're wrong about this one. So while people turned out in droves to watch Vanna White, this one, uh, not so much. It lost its time slot. It uh, it wasn't the lowest watched program of the night, but it uh, it didn't win. It lost two episodes of Night Court, Dear John, Cheers. Twin Peaks and the Barbara Walters special. Oh boy, is sweeps still a thing? No, not in the same way that, like, you know, we grew up with November sweeps, Mm -hmm. which are all geared toward advertising, right? Like, they wanted to like amp up those periods where they would do specials, TV movies with fun stars, you know, cliffhangers on your favorite TV shows to try and drive up viewers, which would drive up advertising revenue and all that. I don't think we have that anymore, at least in the same way. Um, And that's just, you know, a product of streaming culture and sort of a shift in how people consume their television. Like you can watch anything anytime now.
1: Right. That's what I'm wondering, because like we're talking about stunt casting, those sweeps weeks, drove a lot of those decisions of what to greenlight, who to cast, try to get eyeballs on the TV at that time that we might not have had, had there not been this pressure to like have this giant event and hold it for that period of time and compete against somebody else's crazier event.
0: All right, well, we have one last surprising TV actor that we really wanted to touch on today, in part because her acting debut, really the only acting that I think she ever really did, was in a TV movie that aired in 1997. And of course, if you listen to the intro, you know we're talking about Paula Abdul. Uh, And I don't want to go too deep into this. She starred in a 1997 ABC TV movie called Touched by Evil. It is particularly bleak. It fits the mold of, you know, 90s TV movies that touch on um, sexual assault, violence. But I do want to talk a little bit about Paula Abdul at this moment because she was such a phenomenal blockbuster superstar. I mean, I think in the late 80s, early 90s, she became the first debut artist to ever have four number ones or five number ones from her debut album. Uh, And so, like, she landed onto culture with just an enormous force behind her. But by the time this aired in the late 90s, 1997, her star was kind of starting to wane a little bit. And this was, I think, a moment to center her at the heart of a TV movie and see if they could kickstart an acting career, um, which didn't really go anywhere. Of course, all is not lost for Paula. She goes on to become, you know, a co-host of American Idol. But it was interesting to kind of see her in a TV movie and sort of try to flex some acting chops. And I guess I just want to ask you, Eric, what, what's your take on Paula Abdul's sort of arc in the, from the late 80s to the 90s when she did this TV movie? It's no Orson Welles' Touch of Evil from 1958. <laughs> it is just evil. Fair to say, but I challenge Orson Welles to record vibology. Oh, give me that vibe. <laughs>
1: Come on. <laughs> her ability to be a dancer and just she was killing it on the charts. It's just she's supremely talented. That's undebatable, right? Yes. And you see her act in Rush Rush. So you're, you think hey, maybe she could do this. It it isn't just the material. There is a sense of she. you're watching her act.
0: Well, and I think that's interesting because she's not the first singer who's tried her hand at acting. What I think is interesting is they tried to have her, you know, her acting debut is a very dark drama Mm -hmm. um, that involves really bleak themes where when you look at Madonna and her acting debut right? They didn't mm-hmm. put her in a in a dark drama right. movie. When you look at Mariah Carey and her acting debut, they didn't put her in a dark right. drama.
1: Or, or like putting Beyonce in gold member, right? And so like the thought of like, oh, Paula Abdul in a TV movie, that should be fun. And it is just not.
0: And that's not... On Paula Abdul, that's on just the sure. subject matter. It's yeah, it's hard. just a,
1: it's just a really bad choice, and I, I bet it was pitched to her as like Emmy bait, you know, like oh, this is like daring and a bold choice, and it's just looking back is just, just the wrong choice for her.
0: This is no shade to Paula Abdul, but one thing that's so interesting about watching her in this is she is. I think she's over 60 now or very close to 60 right now. She looks younger today than they made her look in this TV movie. They gave her like hair and outfits that make her really like, again, it's maybe that phenomenon of, for whatever reason, people who were 30 and 40 in the late 80s, early 90s, look so much older than 30 and 40 year olds today. And maybe that's a recurring thing through history. I have no idea, but it so stands out here because when you're watching it, you're like, oh my gosh, Paula Abdul, you look like you're in your late 50s or 60s here.
1: The hair and makeup people took touch by evil, literally. Retouch her with evil.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, again, we always look and see what aired this night. Uh, And this was a Sunday night, uh, January 12th, 1997, when this Paula Abdul movie aired. How do you think viewers responded to it, Eric? I'm going to give you one more chance to get one right here.
1: Oh, I'm going to say not well, because I can't think of anything else Paula acted in. So this might've ended her acting career before it even started.
0: You are finally correct. It (laughs) did not do particularly great. It lost its time slot to the People's Choice Awards, to the X-Files. So yeah, it just wasn't one thing. It wasn't something that people really flocked to, to be honest with you, until we really planned out this episode I had no idea that Paula Abdul had even tried to act in a TV movie. So I think just people don't even remember it.
1: Yeah. She's probably glad. No, no.
0: (laughs) But, you know, as with everything, there's a promise of a new day. uh, (laughs) And Paula Abdul's career goes on to wonderful, more, you know, amazing things. Right. Well, you know, Paul Abdul is obviously a big stunt caster, but she's not the only one, right? Vanna White, you know, Joan Rivers. There's a few more that I wanted to see if you could guess if I give you some clues. You ready for a little game? Oh, Pat, I'd like to solve the puzzle. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, and you didn't even wait for me to give you R, S, T, L, N, (laughs) and (laughs) E. I want to do this like game show rules. I'm going to try to do this like sale of the century. If you remember that game show, one of my favorites from the 80s, where they give you like increasing clues to see if you can guess the star that was in a TV movie. Are you ready? I'll
1: take what I can get where there's no stakes and no prizes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So handful of clues here. Let's see how quickly you can get it. And then obviously we can talk quickly about the TV movie they were in. I am a singer from the 1970s, 1980s who had many number one hits that were love songs. Helen Reddy. It was not Helen Reddy. (laughs) I am a singer who got his start with Bette Midler.
1: Oh, Barry Manilow.
0: Barry Manilow. Good job. See, did you do you know the TV movie he was in?
1: Yeah, was it Copacabana? It was like like a movie based on the song.
0: The 1978 (laughs) song, you know, by Barry Manilow. And it stars him in his acting debut as Tony, an aspiring songwriter. That's great. I got to watch that someday. (laughs) (laughs) I I know why.
1: It's probably hard to find. We're going to dig that up.
0: Second one. I am a beloved talk show host from the 20th century. Jerry Springer. Nope, nope. All right, second clue. Many people know me from my signature red eyeglasses.
1: Oh, Sally Jesse Raphael.
0: Sally Jessie Raphael, yes. She was in a 1996 TV movie called No One Would Tell where she plays a judge. Uh, and it's a movie that starred candace cameron and fred savage
1: wow <laughs> that is a surprise casting
0: yes isn't that wild and it was based on i believe the story of a teenager who was murdered by her 16 year old boyfriend so again we're going bleak and subject matter Ooh. with <laughs> lighthearted uh, her... romp <laughs> yeah exactly but if you want to see sally jesse raphael turn up as a judge give no one would tell a look all right Ready for number three? I'm ready. I am a pop music diva whose heyday was probably the early 1980s.
1: Whitney Houston.
0: No. I believe. Cher. (laughs) I'm Scottish. Sheena Easton. Sheena Easton. Did you know that Sheena Easton was in a TV movie?
1: I imagine, I feel like that, that would track.
0: I bet she took the morning train to the TV.
1: <laughs> she strutted onto that. <laughs> yeah, set. that's good. That's good.
0: <laughs> What's funny. This was actually like a horror anthology TV movie. Uh, and oh. so it was called body bags. Oh. It was in the early nineties and it was basically like horror comedy anthology, a lot of like horror directors like Wes Craven and John Carpenter even acted in this huh. um, and she's in a segment called Hair that's directed by John Carpenter uh, where she plays um, a woman named Megan who is the long-suffering girlfriend of a man whose obsession with his thinning hair starts to make him crazy. Oh, this sounds delightful. I know, isn't it interesting? I'm not going to give any more of the plot away because it is crazy. It involves like aliens and it, there's some really interesting things here. And it's a little bit bizarre to think this was a TV movie in the early 90s. But if you want to see Sheena Easton in a horror anthology, give uh, Body Bags and her segment Hair a look. All right, last one. I'm a Disco Diva legend. Donna Summer. Nope. I have a Grammy for Best Female r and Vocal Performance. Gloria Gaynor. Nope. But I think you'll get it on this third crew. One of my biggest hits is don't leave me this way. Oh, Thelma... Houston, Thelma Houston, who, now, to be fair, she actually starred in several TV movies over the course of her career, but I think most people know her from her disco music. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I found fascinating is, like, one of the movies she, the TV movies she was in was called Death Scream. It's a TV movie based off the famous Kitty Genovese story, or Catherine Kitty Genovese, where a bunch of people hear this woman being attacked and murdered and don't do anything. They made a movie of it in the 1970s, I think 1975, and this cast is wild it stars Raul Julia it stars Lucy Arnaz Ed Asner Art Carney Diane Carroll Kate Jackson Cloris Leachman Tina Louise Nancy Walker and finally Thelma Houston
1: it's so funny when we do these quizzes at the end of the episode because I'm always like oh I wish we had watched all of these instead of what we talked
0: about. (laughs) I know. I figured someone needed to bring in Kate Jackson.
1: (laughs) Check, check that box. Thank you. like two evil Knievels, we've reached
0: the end of this episode about stunt casting. Thanks for listening. We will be back soon with another episode on TV movies. In the meantime, please leave us a comment or a like or review wherever you are listening to this podcast. And of course, you can always find more pop trash goodness at our website, poptrashmuseum.com.
1: We're also on that garbage heap we all call social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok.
0: Oh, my gosh. And do you know, in the time it took to do this episode, Vanna White has recorded 12,000 more claps. (laughs) Clap off
1: this episode.